Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. To be fair, the war in Ukraine has really dominated a lot of the discussion about any, you know, geopolitical conflict for the past few months. Rightfully so, it makes sense, right? But at the same time, um, other hotspots continue to demand attention. The Indo-Pacific region, as it's called, uh, continues to present some challenges for the West. This month, NATO was talking about how important that region is and how China is a challenge that must be faced. So so what is the plan? Where does Canada fit into all of this? We're going to have a discussion with Margaret McQuaig Johnson, who is a senior fellow at the University of Ottawa's Institute for Science, Society and Policy and the University of Ottawa's Graduate School of Public and International Affairs. Margaret, thank you for joining us. Appreciate your time. Good to be with you again, Chase. Um, yeah, let's just start with what's happening in that region, get a bit of an update, why there is added attention. We've seen We've seen an escalation in activity there, right? Yeah, that's right. Just in the last few years, China has become much more aggressive uh, with its neighbors. We know, for example, that uh, they've got military flights over Taiwan territory. They've actually managed to push back the borders in India and Bhutan so that China takes more of their territory. They've got fishing fleets out all over the world, overfishing uh, in the in the seas of other countries. And uh, most concerning recently was the uh, maneuvers that uh, uh, the PLA jet planes were de- taking against Canadian planes and Australian planes. Uh, that were in doing uh, surveillance um, in the waters, uh, uh, in the the air near uh, what China would like to claim as their own territory. So we're facing a more aggressive China, that's for sure. Yeah, and as you say, you know, with the fighter jets and all the rest of that stuff, and it's not just Canada, it's Canada, it's Australia that have also been, you know, targeted by some of these actions. Um, They've condemned it. I, I've seen the Prime Minister talking about how some of this stuff has to stop and they can't continue. Um, issued statements, that sort of thing, but clearly that's not going to be enough, right? No, and, and you know, I myself had seen some really nasty business practices in China uh, against Canadian technology companies. And so I proposed back in 2019 that we develop an Indo-Pacific strategy that would allow uh, Canadian companies to diversify away from China uh, so that they could uh, manage their risk there more effectively and broaden our, and deepen our relations with other countries in the region. And so that's, uh, that the, the government has been working on such a strategy since uh, 2019. Um, the U.S. has uh, uh, Indo-Pacific strategies, so does India, Japan, mm-hmm. New Zealand. Even the European Union has an Indo-Pacific strategy. Do we? I mean, like you say, I mean, do we need to actually come up with something? What do we have in place? Wasn't there something a few years ago, at least talk about coming up with a plan? Well, in fact, the government said in December of 2019 that it was going to to develop a China policy or a China framework. And a year later, they said, well, no, there wouldn't be anything published 
but uh, the minister had been using expressions like uh, the China of 2020 is not the China of 2016, meaning it had uh, become more aggressive. Uh, national security would be the prime criterion for the Huawei decision. We finally have that out. Um, but they decided not to publish a China framework, and it, it appears that they didn't want to poke the dragon. And my concern now is that they may similarly not publish an Indo-Pacific strategy per se that shows how Canada understands its own right. uh, relationship with the region and will instead just have more ministerial speeches. Yeah, so we don't know if there even is a playbook that we're operating from, and, and we just have to hope that there is. I mean, if you take a look at what's gone on, the two Michaels, the Huawei saga, I mean, the list goes on. It, it seems like we should have a pretty clear framework and a pretty clear strategy in place. That's right. And I know the Department of Global Affairs Canada has been working on such a thing. They've held many consultations with other uh, governments in the region, um, and ministers have visited other countries, like, you know, just recently, Minister Jolie went to Vietnam and Indonesia and was supposed to table something in the House when she got back, but nothing was nothing was announced. And uh, there are lost opportunities in this, too, because we could be enhancing our relations with other countries on security, on population health which it relates to pandemics, on technology and R&D, higher education, uh, things like sustainable fisheries management, where Canada is a leader in that. Um, but we haven't got any uh, new policy or new strategy for doing that, and we also don't have the resources. We need something that's comprehensive and coherent, uh, that's operational, and that's funded. And we don't have anything like that at this point. I'm, I'm hoping that they'll develop something like that, but I fear it may be just something very thin. Uh, and we need to really demonstrate that we have a commitment to the region. Do we need to partner? I mean, like you say, in terms of what we can really do as a, as a global force, we like to think we're bigger than we are sometimes. And I don't know if China's really all that concerned about Canada, but we can partner. There's other com uh, countries that are in similar positions, and, and together we might be able to actually have some, some influence, right? Yeah, that's right. And in fact, um, we can partner with like-minded countries like Australia, yep. New Zealand, Japan, South Korea, but we also should be partnering with other governments that have uh, that don't have our form of government, like Vietnam, for example, where a lot of um, Western countries uh, companies are leaving China and going to Vietnam, Cambodia, uh, Thailand, uh, and setting up shop there because you know uh, they are facing increasing risk in China as it over-regulates a lot of the companies that are there now from the West. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a situation that demands attention. Um, Margaret McQuaig-Johnson, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you joining us again today. Good to be with you. Take care. That is Margaret McQuaig-Johnson, a senior fellow at the University of Ottawa's Institute for Science, Society and Policy and the University's Graduate School of Public and International Affairs. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's a situation we've talked about before, right? And uh, this Canada, uh, this country and this the, the Liberal government, in my mind, has been really negligent on the Canadian-China file and frankly, has been incredibly weak. 
there has been next to no pushback, at least publicly, not that we've seen. And the list of, you know, things that China has done, and, and I've likened it before to like the schoolyard bully, and we just we just keep taking it, like, you know, the, the two Michaels, um, the, the situation with the fighter pilots. I mean, the, the list goes on, and they really clearly show that they don't care. Uh, they have no respect for what our government's going to do in response. And to this point, why would they? 